Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, September 27, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Right out of the chute, I'm here to tell you we have what I'm going to call a multiple personality market on our hands. That's going to become more prevalent as we go through the charts, and you'll see how we can make a case for the bulls, we can make a case for the bears, we can make a case for the libertarians, we can make a case for the conspiracy theorists. Let's cut through the rhetoric and see what we've got on the charts. Let's do the big picture stuff, the 30,000 foot view on the daily chart, and then we're going to work down. And when we get to other charts, and we go from one to the other to the other, you're going to see where it's pretty easy to make a case in both directions. Now, that's not necessarily a problem in and of itself. Maybe in the short run. However, there's meaning behind that, and we'll get to that in a few moments. Keep your panties on. Dating back, the market tops out in the beginning of September, comes down, puts in a low. Last Monday, reverses off the 100-period moving average, and here we are in a garden-variety retracement scenario. Fair enough, nothing odd or unique about that. What did they do? They came down off a high, and now they've essentially made what can be. And we don't know yet, but it can be the B leg of an ABC pattern that would look like this. The A leg would be the one down. The B leg would be the one up, maybe complete, maybe near complete. And then the C leg would be another leg down, which would be complete below the low of the initial leg down, which we've identified as leg A. Keep in mind, we have a multiple personality market That's one schematic. There's more. However, in keeping with that particular schematic where the market would go down again, what we have is a low in place, and then we're in that zone where we're once again on time. So in being on time, we could be in for another turn in the market. That turn down could be the beginning of said C leg. Let's say they are coming down. There's going to be what we'll call in the technical terms a dogfight around 435, give or take. I would write that one down. Put it on a sticky note. Keeping with the daily chart theme, the second schematic is eating time off the clock. What happens if, and it's an if, we're pre-positioning, we're pre-planning. We have to show up in uniform, ready to go, but you have to have pre-game warm-ups. You have to know what the game plan is. Let's say they go sideways for a while. Then what are they doing? Well, we look at what they did. We look at what they're doing. We look at what they didn't do, and we put it together like this. If they're not going to be rejected, and they're going to eat time off the clock and go sideways, they're likely building energy for another push higher. What would that push higher be? Well, there's a gap up here. If they got to there... They would be above all the moving averages once again, turning the daily trend back to the upside. The trend is your friend until she dumps your butt, and you know the rest from there. That's schematic number B. Maybe in the less likely camp is they just gap 
over the 20-period moving average tomorrow, for example, and they just keep going on a relentless assault on the highs. That's possible. It's probably in the less probable camp in the way in the 20% of the 80-20 rule, meaning way deep in the 20%. Today was an inside day. What's an inside day? An inside day is when they're inside on the highs today and the lows inside the previous day. So Friday's high was higher and low was lower, so it creates an inside day. They closed below the 50-period moving average. Now, we'll talk about that for a split second. You know how I feel about that when they've been through it multiple times of late, within the last several days. It diminishes the importance. It's more of a guideline than anything else. But I find it interesting that the choice was to close below it rather than above it. They had a choice, and here's a five-minute chart, and you see the choice at the end of the day was to go lower. If 15 or 20 minutes earlier they just stayed pat where they were, what would they have done but close above that same 50-period moving average. So I always find those kind of maneuvers a bit curious. Who decides that? Who decides where they close them? The trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew? Is it the advanced team for tomorrow? It's a good question. I'd like to know. Now, when we go down to a 240-minute chart, what is it that I'm really seeing? Well, the first thing that jumps off this chart is exactly this. We've had a move up, and now we have this big breakup candle. And they're eating time off the clock inside this breakup candle. To me, they're building energy for another push higher. But here's the rub. And again, with the multiple personality market. A, from a 240-minute chart perspective, they're coming into a zone of being on time. So we shouldn't be surprised to see them spike up to where? Around 446.60, around this 50-period moving average, up to 447. That would be your next area of, quote-unquote, overhead resistance. Write that down on the same sticky note as the other thing. But wait, there's more. We're still looking at the same 240 chart, and we're still focused on the same breakup candle, and that's this one here, from the candle ending 1330 on the 23rd of September. Well, guess what? What do they love to do? They don't always do it, but they do do it a lot. They run a test of the breakup candle low. Now, they haven't done so yet. They've come about maybe a little bit more than halfway down, but they haven't run a test of the low. So what happens if they run a test of the low, but they never really close below? They never get much below. They certainly don't close below. Then it's still intact for another push higher as long as they don't close below and come back and fill this gap down here. That creates a different scenario. So you don't know which one's going to happen, but if they're running to the vicinity of the breakup candle low, at least you know from an intraday perspective what to expect. Inside the number members, will exactly be told what to expect in real time if and when that does occur. Another reason why we're in the multiple personality market camp. They can come down to run a test, still stay bullish. They can still go sideways a little more or just run higher from here, and it would be a garden variety pattern that exists over and over and over again in the market 
when you start to put time together with price, together with the other things that are taught in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. And what this does is it creates our full stack of information. When we have a full stack, what do we have? We have opportunity on our hands. What do we see on the 120-minute chart? Anything different? Much of the same as the 240 chart. My only curious thing is about those moving averages again. They're not as important. They're more of a guideline. However, why close on top of or below the 50-period moving average when given a choice? They could have closed above them all if they're bullish. Is it a fake out? Was it sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew? And in case you're new here, who are they? They're the folks whose job it is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. So they're always going to make the market look like it's going to do the thing it's not going to do right before it actually does the thing it was always going to do based on how the chart was setting up from the larger time frame. That's really always the dominant thing. It's the larger time frame. Taking a sabbatical for a second from the intraday stuff, the weekly chart. Here's a larger time frame. The trend is up. It's above all the moving averages. Last week, you can make a pretty solid case that that's a reversal candle after running a test of the 20-week moving average, period, full stop. When you look at it from a weekly chart perspective, they come down a little, they go up a little, but at the end of the day, the trend is up. They're still going up in the big picture. When they come down a little, all it is is the ebb and flow of the market during an uptrend. That's it. You have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. You have to look at each chart independent of one another and give it an honest assessment. What's the honest assessment of the hourly chart? Well, from a longer-term perspective, inside of this breakup candle, they're eating time off the clock, but they're leaking lower, and now they're being pushed down by the convergence of the moving averages, the 20 and the 100, that they closed below in the last hour of the day. Why did they do that? It's always how they close them, not necessarily as important as how they trade them all day long. Always how they close them is going to give you more information than the remainder of the day, the majority of the time. Taking that into an account, I'm suspicious that we're going to see lower prices, for example, toward the bottom end of the breakup candle over the next, let's just say, session or so, maybe couple or three sessions. We don't know. But I'm suspicious that that is essentially what's going on based on how they closed them rather than have cooked in the oven or percolated enough time off the clock to make another push higher. That's my read Monday night. If something changes dramatically Tuesday morning, so be it. We'll cover it in real time for Inside the Number members. Speaking of Inside the Number members, here's what we're going to do. The game plan is we're going to run through the commentary I'm going to highlight two or three important things. I'm going to scroll up. You can pause the video, go back to the charts to double check the work. Read the stuff and double check to see what happened after the fact. Then we're going to circle back 
to stocks on the move and see what happened on a few charts. We're always going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Happy Monday. They tried to rally overnight, but fell back toward the flat line. What really happened is the futures daily chart spiked the 20-period moving average and is pulling back. That's it. That's what I saw at zero dark 30. Here's a daily chart of the futures. There's the 20-period moving averages, the red sloping trend line. They spiked it this morning or overnight, and they're pulling back. They finished near the lows. They could be on time. Let's do the intraday big picture and number stuff. The hourly chart had two important spots of interest in the southbound lane. 441 and a quarter, which wasn't reached, and therefore we don't have to go lower than that. In the northbound lane, 444 is important, as is 444.89. You know the routine. Right of the vertical is today's activity. Herein lies an SPY five-minute chart. The horizontal line represents 444, high of day this morning, 444.05. And we're moving right along. 443.93, give or take, is the gap left open from Friday. It's overhead resistance and important. So if they run a test, traders willing to be short, the SPY can do so at the price or around that price. Candles closing above this number begins the appearance the trade is wrong. Testing is one thing, closing candles is another. Well, you saw what happened. But here's the thing. They didn't do it right out of the gate. They did it a different way. So at 928, I say if they drop them first and then run up to the gap, it's not the same risk as running right up there. From where I sat, my perspective, early in the morning, right around the opening bell, the one I want is the one they run right up there. So they started to drop a little bit. I was looking at 441 and a quarter. They didn't get there at the time. By 945, we're saying the gap around 443.93 should still provide resistance. Now let's fast forward a little bit. You can pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart, double check the work. So here's what I was looking at. 949, looking around the horn. IWM was strong. Transports were strong. Financials were strong. Divergences will resolve. Either the SPY will go up, or they, meaning the other stuff, will have to come down. Now, whether that happens intraday or it happens tomorrow, we don't know. We've seen a lot of sector rotation lately. We've seen a lot of money rotating around, like a merry-go-round type of market. Let's fast forward a little bit. The market was rather quiet. The tape is bullish. And with other stuff like the transports, IWM, the Dow was up, financials were up, it seems like up is the higher probability in the short run. The later the morning goes, the lighter the volume gets, the less I'm going to like a short up at that gap, 443.93. It's overhead resistance, but the more time that passes, the more it looks more like a floater. Let's keep going. The closer they get to 443.93 to 444, the more magnetic it will become and just suck price up there. Why do I say that? Because there are traders that are comfortable buying a market that's in an uptrend. The momentum is going up. They want to ride the tape. They think they can ride it up to the gap and take a profit. And they're right most of the time. So there's nothing wrong with that trade. I like to buy a specific price. I like to buy support. Something's on sale. 
It's an opportunity. I don't love to hop on, but there's nothing wrong with hopping on. Just because I don't love to do it doesn't mean it's not a bona fide trade. That's why I talk about these things inside the numbers, because there's something for everybody. Some traders like one thing, some traders like another. So as long as you know what the market is doing, where the important stuff exists, it gives traders that want the flexibility of making decisions for themselves, and frankly, that's what this is all about, so that you can make decisions for yourself based on the information that I'm providing you. Sometimes they say, this is a stone-cold trade right here. I'm going to be long. I'm going to be short. Here it is on a silver platter. That happens a lot. Sometimes I'm just going to give you the tour guide stuff. Sometimes I don't want to be in a trade. Maybe I don't want to ride the market up to the gap. Maybe I don't want to short the gap in a light volume, quiet market, while the IWM is up, the transports are up, and all that other stuff is up. I don't like that setup. It doesn't seem like the type of full stack I'm looking for. But that doesn't mean there's not a full stack there. 10.35, they're pretty much on time into a gap it begins to look like a short stack for at least a pullback. Here's the deal. The volume is light, and there's a lack of participation in the market today. It's not my bag, but traders can short the tape, and if you start to see closes above 444, it begins to look wrong. It was that simple. With the visual on hand, I'm saying you can short it here if they close candles above 444. So basically your risk was right there at the entry point and you could stay short as long as they didn't close above. And here it is. Again, just because I didn't want it or I didn't like it or I didn't love it doesn't mean other traders wouldn't or couldn't or shouldn't have taken the trade. It was absolutely on time. Where is that taught? Repeat after me, the lazy e-mini trader course. Okay, we're moving along. Let's see what else we have. They started to come down at 10.37. By 10.47, we had a couple of trades that worked out from stocks on the move. So you could see what happened. What I wanted to point out was how, in fact, the market unfolded today, where the opportunity was for the trader that wanted the opportunity. The long trader, the short trader, which trader are you? You may be both. You may not be both. There's something for everybody. And then we have stocks on the move, which we'll get to in a moment. But what I'm going to do here is scroll up, pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. Most of the business is done in the morning. The afternoons are quiet most of the time. Using the 80-20 rule, there's nothing going on after lunch. Stocks on the move. We had one late edition today. It didn't hit its number. It was Garmin. The other ones were on the board at zero dark 30. We're going to look at AZN, PLTR, and Datadog. First one we'll look at is AstraZeneca 5876. It was a no trade. You can see why. The thing came close, then it traded away, then it comes back. By this time, we're not even looking at it anymore. It's off the board. They did hang around the number for the most part all day long, which tells you what? The number was important. They just didn't do the thing where they spike it early and give you the rocket ride. That's what we're looking for. PLTR, it's a base hit in the books. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. They're getting a haircut at the open. They come into the number. 
They bounce up here. The high was 27.78. It's a base hit with the opportunity for more. Today, Palantir didn't do more. They went back to the number, hung around for a cup of coffee. Maybe the destination is a number still in the southbound lane. That's okay. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. You never know which ones are going to give you the doubles, triples, or even home run trades. Next one on the board was Dater Dog. Customary haircut at the open. 140-21 was on the board at zero dark 30. You see what happened. It's self-explanatory. That was obviously the number. They gave you the trade not once, but twice. Not that we're taking it. No sloppy seconds. But it was a base hit and then some. You do this for 10 years and you too can be on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, back above all the moving averages, very strong day, up 1.5% over $3. From a daily chart perspective, that was a bullish day, no two ways about it. From an intraday perspective, they didn't close them well. What that spells, generally speaking, is the destination is still somewhere down the southbound lane. Where could it be on the IWM before one of those customary bull bear battles? And here's an hourly chart, and it's with my recollection that the last breakout was really above this spot here. This is about 25, 60 something, 69, 67, in that general area. So figure on 225, give or take, should be a bull bear battle because it was the most recent breakout area. Isn't that the way things work the majority of the time? And if that's the case, we use the 80-20 rule and we say, since that kind of thing works the majority of the time, our expectation is that if the market came into that zone north of 225 down to 225, that it should work again, at least from an intraday perspective. Not only that, but there's other stuff going on in that neighborhood as well. I'm just not at liberty to say. What about the folks down at the transportation department? What's going on over here? Well, here's what's jumping off the page at me on this daily chart. You've got these moving averages, and they did recapture the 20-period moving average. What they did today was run a test of this breakdown candle. The high is 14,491. We're going to call it 15,000 for argument's sake. So they spiked it, including the 50-period moving average. They backed off and closed below it, but they're not really rejected from that price just yet. Nothing's changed from the higher number perspective. If they're able to get to and above that 50-period moving average and above this pivot high here, this high represents... 14,574.91. I think I used a 15,000 number before. What I meant to say was 14,500. Pardon my error. Now, if they're able to get above this pivot here, then what comes into play is that same important number. And yeah, it's still important. 14,760. I just make it a little thicker to emphasize the importance. I would write that one down on the sticky note from before also. Different market, same sticky note. What about the folks in Silicon Valley, the Q people? It's really the same schematic, same conversation as the SPY. When I look at the two, when I compare and contrast the SPY and the Qs, I come up with 
the Qs are slightly ahead of in terms of being down, in terms of being down into a potential support zone. They're ahead of the game over the SPY. Now, we don't know whether that means that everything's going to go up tomorrow because the Qs got there first and everything just turns around, or was it the Qs are weaker and they're going to drag everything down? And we don't know the answer. I'm telling you what I see being inside my head is, as you know, a dangerous place to be. The financials are screaming higher. They're retesting those former highs. Now, is there such thing? Do we have a triple top? One, two, and three. This is not really in the sense of what a triple top would look like if there was such a thing. The spacing is different. So, for example, the space between this top to this top is different than this top to this top. Now, should that matter? Does that matter? Why does that matter? All that stuff. It matters to me from a market symmetry perspective. Maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. Again, I'm bonkers, but it matters to me. If they make new highs, fair enough. The way I'm looking at it is they're running a test of this breakdown candle high. But it is also the highs. So it's kind of like I'm having my cake and eating it too. If they were going to get through that spot, the best way to do it, the easiest way to do it for the market is to gap over that spot as opposed to having to beat it down during the day. But wait, there's more. On the hourly chart, you could see they're already starting to really just run time off the clock in one of these bull flaggish type of things. So if that's the case, what are they doing? They're either eating time off the clock to run a test of the breakdown candle high, or they're eating time off the clock to get over the breakdown candle high. It's bullish nonetheless. What about good old smash mouth? What do we have here? Down three-tenths of one percent, less than a buck. It's hard to make a federal case out of that. I can look at this and I can say a couple of things. It's the same case we made early on in the video. We could do this, maybe they're coming down. Or maybe they're just running sideways and they're going to do this. We don't know until we know. Technically speaking, there's nothing bearish on Smash Mouth at present. Even if they do come down, that doesn't mean it's bearish until they got below the low from last Monday. That's our Irene number. Where's support before then? Well, it's right around 265, give or take. And by the way, if I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.